You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. In Ecclesiastes, we discover that a life spent in pursuit of pleasure, achievement, and control will ultimately leave us empty-handed. Life isn't about what we can obtain, but about what we already have, and learning to receive it from God with gratitude. Welcome to Ecclesiastes, life as gift, not gain. Today's scripture reading is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7 through chapter 12, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come, and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light are darkened, and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. On the day when guardians of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, the women who grind grain cease because they are few, and the ones who watch through the windows see dimly. The doors at the street are shut while the sounds of the mill fade. When one rises at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caperberry has no effect. For the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home, and mourners will walk around in the street. Before the silver cord is snapped, and the gold bowl is broken, and the jar is shattered at the spring, and the wheel is broken into the well, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, it's good to see y'all, and I hope you're doing well. Uh, And uh, just to reiterate, we are excited about this fall. We're excited about uh, coming back as best as we can, even though things are kind of still uh, out there. We want to help our congregation just to to refocus on the mission, to accept this new normal. So if you know people who are part of Sojourn, but who have kind of drifted away, this is a great time to invite them back into the life of our church, whether they're coming in person or watching online. Well, today we're going to finish up our sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes. So those who are at home uh, watching, uh, this is it. We've, we've traveled through the summer in Ecclesiastes, and hopefully everything comes together uh, for you as you watch, as well as those who are watching in the sanctuary. The title of the message today is simply A Message to the Young. It is a sermon I'm really excited about. I think that the Lord has for us as a church, whether you consider yourself young or not. Solomon really closes this book off 
uh, with a bit of a bang, even though uh, that section that we read was probably really confusing to you. So I'll help you to understand what he was saying. Let's pray. And then we're going to dive in from there. Lord, I pray that you would speak now. For your servants are listening. I pray, Father God, that you would just be the shepherd that you are. Help us to not want. Lead us besides green pastures and still waters as we take in your word by faith. Speak, Lord, even now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, ever since I was a young man, I'm not sure why I started this practice, but it's something that I uh, do fairly regularly. Um, I've had this practice of when in the presence of older individuals, whether it's a, a man or a woman, who have seemingly lived life with wisdom to ask them a simple question. And the question is something like this. If you were talking to your fill-in-the-blank self, so I'm 38, I will say, if you were talking to your 38-year-old self, what is the best piece of advice that you would give? And in asking this question, I've learned a lot through the years, things that people have said who have just helped me to take that next step of whatever season of life I was in. Well, recently I was in Chicago and with my family on a break, spent time with my grandparents, and I asked uh, them this question. But specifically, I asked my grandfather this question. I said, Granddad, if you were talking to your 38-year-old self, what's the best piece of advice you would give? My granddad, 84-year-old granddad, my granddad, who migrated from Mississippi at a young age to make a better life for himself. My granddad, who came to Chicago with a few pennies in his pocket, who worked at a paper factory and who saved money um, as much as he could and now has a legacy um, within our family of generosity and blessing because he lived sacrificially. My granddad, who fathered five people in the heart of the city, granddad, what would your, what would you tell your 38-year-old self now that you've lived to be this age? And he looked at me, and he looked at my grandmother, with whom he just celebrated being married to for 60 years. And he said, I would tell my 38-year-old self three things. One, he said, put your trust and keep your faith in God. Put God first. He said, two, I would say treat people well, even when they mistreat you. And then third, he says something that he says to me every time we hang up the phone and what he's been telling me since I can remember as a child. He said, and always be yourself. Man, what a blessing. What a gift. And to you, that may not be the most profound thing that you've ever heard. But for me, it was reassuring because I watched this man 
for most of my life who had a ninth grade education build a life and a legacy that I one day hope to have. And so I'm going to hold on to those words. And in the same way, we see here Solomon, as he is closing out his book, is as if he's summarizing the whole book by giving his listeners three commands that he would want them to know as he's getting ready to close this chapter of wisdom to the young. In verses 11, uh, chapter 11, 7 through the end of chapter 12, Solomon is going to give the young three commands to live by. Now, we know that throughout this book, he's been trying to help us. He's been trying to help us to see that life under the sun is difficult. That life under the sun is tricky. You can pursue all of these things that the world has to offer. And at the end of the day, you will uh, conclude that it's all havel. It is all smoke. It is all futility. It is all empty. Nothing that this world has to offer on this side of the sun other than God being at the center of our life will fulfill us. And so what does he have to say to the young? What does he have to say to you and to me today? Well, he has three things that he wants to encourage us with. The first is this. It's found in chapter 12, verse 9. Chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 9. He says this, rejoice, young person, while you are young. Rejoice, young person, while you are young. In other words, rejoice, you and your prime. Second, remember your creator while you have time. That's chapter 12, verse 1. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. Third, revere the almighty God and truly live. Revere the almighty God and truly live. And we see this in chapter 13. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or whether evil. Now, Solomon here is going to give us some really wise advice. And if you consider yourself young here today, I am going to beg you with urgency to listen to this, to take some time this week to consider his words. Here's a man who was considered to be the wisest man in the world, who tried everything, who obtained everything, and who ended up empty, concluding his book by saying these these three things. Rejoice, you're in your prime. Remember your creator while you have time and revere the almighty God and truly live, and truly live. Now, verse 8, the word says, Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. So he's calling the person who is young, who is able to see light, Uh, because their eyes are still vibrant to rejoice because he says darkness is coming. And when he says darkness is coming, he's essentially saying uh, death is coming. And old age is coming when you no longer can see light. Verse 9, rejoice, young person. Rejoice, young person, while you are young. 
I love what he says in verse 10. While you are in the prime of your life, rejoice while you are young and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. And what is he saying here? He's saying, don't spend the days of your youth with constant anxiety, with uh, constant uh, cynicism, with, with constant worry. Um, don't spend the best years of your life begrudgingly. And this is such an important word for us in, in this season, in this time as a church, we're a, a younger church, and you can uh, interpret youth and young however you want to, right? 80 is the new 40. Seriously, we got all these medical advancements and, and, and watches that help you to keep your steps and, and new uh, guidelines about how to eat healthy to maximize your life. Youth is, is really uh, versus... <laughs> Two through seven, he's going to give us a picture of what old age looks like. And I say, if half of those things don't apply to you, you're still young, all right? And we want to break that down and what he's talking about there, right? But he's saying, don't waste your youth. Don't waste the prime of your life being a killjoy. Always seeing what is wrong. Always harping on the things that can make you most anxious. I remember... Uh, several years ago, my sister, who was 13 years younger than me, went away to college. And uh, because I'm only 13 years uh, older than her uh, at the time, I probably didn't give her the best advice. I remember she called me. She first got to college at Western Michigan University, go Broncos. And she, like every freshman who just gets to campus on the week when you get all your classes and your syllabi was overwhelmed. And she called me. She's like, Jamal, this is too much. I can't do it. I was like, you can't do what? You just got there. She was like, I got all these classes and these papers due. I don't have a car. I've got to walk everywhere. I haven't made friends. And she's just going on and on and on. And unfortunately, I didn't give her the best advice. I was just in a mood. I was in one of them Destiny Child's mood. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my water bill? I'm thinking about all the bills I got. I'm like, I wish I was in college right now. You know what I'm saying? And so I tell her, I'm like, girl... You better get to work and have fun. These are the best years of your life. What you calling me in the middle of the day complaining, talking about you? you can't do this. You can do this. Just go to school, go to class, get a little job, save up for a car. Hey, life ain't that hard, right? Looking at all these student loan bills. I'm like, you better enjoy this before that first bill come. Right? And that's kind of what Solomon is doing here in a wiser, more gentler way. <laughs> He's like, before your eyes can no longer see, before your body breaks down, enjoy these prime years of your life and rejoice. Joy and rejoicing is, is the serious business of heaven. Throughout the scriptures, the Bible call, calls us to rejoice. One author says this, human beings are supposed to enjoy life to the full because that is their divinely assigned portion. And God calls one into account for failure to enjoy. Enjoyment is not only permitted, it is commanded. It is not only an opportunity, it is a divine imperative. Solomon says here, rejoice, young person. And then he goes on to say, let yourself rejoice. Let your heart be glad. Walk in the ways of your hearts and in, in, in your desires. Now, he's not calling us to rejoice and to pursue life and just be hedonist. That's the opposite of what he's doing. In fact, the whole letter, he's like, I tried that. And it didn't work. It didn't satisfy me. It didn't fulfill me. 
But what he's telling us in the book of Ecclesiastes is put God at the center of your life. Walk in his ways and enjoy life. Enjoy the work of your hands. Enjoy food. Enjoy drink. Enjoy friends. And don't let these other pursuits, the pursuit of the world, how they define success, don't let your problems, the, the things that you're going to come upon that's new to you, don't let them become the center of your life and your focus, and you end up wasting all of your years and being discontented and begrudging. Don't spend your time stressing. And as Christians, we uh, should be people who are uh, the most the least cynical, the least begrudging, people on the face of the earth, because we serve a God who invites us to take our anxieties to him in prayer, who invites us in Philippians chapter four to meditate on the things that are true and lovely and honorable, who reminds us that he is our shepherd and because he's our shepherd, we shall not want who reminds us that he will be there if we cast our foot against the stone, who reminds us that in him we have what it takes to be content and to uh, be happy even when we don't have what we think we need. And so God is inviting us today not into an unrealistic utopia, but rather he is inviting us to take our attention off of things that tell us that we need them for satisfaction and to put our attention on him, to rejoice in him in our youth. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 18 says this. The prophet says, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He's like, in seasons of drought, I will still praise the Lord because he has saved me. And that's what the psalmist says, David, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. God invites us into a way of living that brings peace and joy despite our circumstances. We don't praise God necessarily for them, but we praise him in the midst of circumstances that are not pleasing because we know that he has our back, that he is good, that he is faithful, that he will deliver, and that he loves us. Second, the sage offers us another piece of advice when he teaches us to remember your creator while you have time. It's interesting that he says, remember. So remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come. That's interesting. I was just meditating on this verse. I'm like, remember your creator in the days of your youth. It sounds kind of odd that God is telling young people to remember something, right? Because young people have great memories. Um, but in actuality, young people have selective memories, right? Uh, my, my kids, whom I, I love uh, dearly, uh, they, they just model this so well, the need to remind even the young 
things, right? Come in a house and you say, hey, can you move your shoes from um, in front of the door so that people can go in and out the door without tripping them? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. 20 minutes later, hey, can you remove your shoes from out in front of the door so that people can go, yeah, why are you so upset? I'll do it. Well, I just told you, 20. no, you didn't. You've never said that. And you're like, wait, I just told you that, right? Remember what I said. <laughs> oh, now, even as even the young need to be reminded of, of the goodness of God, because all of us as human beings under the sun can quickly forget. I'm reminded that by God in Deuteronomy chapter 8, just after delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt in verses 1 through 20, he says this, remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey, these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you and test you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commandments. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes that I am giving to you today. When you eat and are full and build houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart does not become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness. Remember the Lord your God. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish. Over and over in the book of Deuteronomy, God is constantly reminding the children of Israel who were just in bondage within that generation to not forget the Lord's goodness to them. And the reason he reminds them over and over to not forget is because our hearts, as we sung earlier, are prone to wander. We, we, we're sheep. That's the analogy that God uses, all of us. We are sheep. And, and, and sheep, though they're fuzzy and lovable and, 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 and cute and, 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 and helpful, they, they also sometimes uh, are forgetful and they get nose flies, they get distracted and they wander and they need a shepherd. And we all need a shepherd. And our shepherd is constantly telling us to remember and who is he telling us to remember? He says, remember your creator. That's interesting. He doesn't speak of God as he does throughout, as, 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 as Yahweh. Rather, he uses this term cre creator, and it's as if he's saying, no, remember the one who created the heavens and the earth in six days and who rested on the seventh. Remember the one who formed man from the dust of the ground. Remember that you're just decorated dust. Remember the one who pulled a woman from the side of man. Remember the one who, uh, who knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Never forget that I am the one who created you. I am the one who gives you purpose. I am the one who called you. In Ephesians uh, 2, 20 language, I am the one who, uh, uh, who has made you my workmanship, my poema, my, my poem, my artistic expression, who has uh, ordained your steps and your good works before the foundations of the earth. Don't you forget when it's time for uh, that new promotion and life gets a little more comfortable, don't you forget crying out and praying that you would get a little more comfortable. 
Don't you forget when friendships are now budding and you've just gone through a season of loneliness and it felt like you didn't have any friends, that I'm the one who provided you with that community. I'm the one who provided you with those friends. Don't forget to spend time with me in the midst of that. Don't you forget when you get comfortable and you have a little more space in your budget and now you're able to travel and see some different cities and to see the world that I have saved you and redeemed you from darkness and called you into the marvelous light so that you can steward every gift that I give you for my glory and be a light to the nations. Don't you forget. Remember your creator. He says, not when you're older. It's easy when you're, when you're older to look back and reflect on a good to God. No, he says, when you're in the thick of the blessing, when you're in the the thick of, of the excitement, when you're in the thick of that life, remember that I'm your creator, that I have claim on your life. Remember, Israel often forgot. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses is rebuking Israel for forgetting already. Praise God. We have a true and better Israel who never forgot so that when we forget, we can go to him, our true mediator, and repent and be forgiven with no condemnation in turn. Because when he was in the wilderness and when he was tempted by the devil, he remained steadfast. Well, we've got to deal with something here. Solomon... I like Solomon. I like Solomon a lot, but Solomon gave your boy a workout with this next section, all right? Uh, verse, seven, uh, verse two through, through, through seven, your boy got a workout, all right? He starts talking in poetry and prose. I'm like, okay, Solomon, you got to help me out here. So, so Solomon goes on. He says, so remember your creator and the days of your youth before the days of adversity come. Okay, what are the days of adversity? Essentially, it's old age and death. Okay. And the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light are darkened. And the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. So Solomon here is just giving us a picture of of old age. And he refers to old age as darkness, as a time of constant aches and pain. He refers to it as a time when the body Uh, 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 almost to a house in verse 3. The author likens the body um, to an an old man, to a decaying house. Verse 3, on that day when the guardians of the house tremble. More than likely here, he's referring to hands. Our hands guard our bodies. And in our older age, our hands begin to tremble. And the strong men stoop. Most likely, Solomon is referring to legs and knees here. And the women who grind grain cease because they are few. Most likely, Solomon is talking about teeth here. <laughs> Our teeth grind food. And as we get older, uh, I know we got cool smiles and everything nowadays, but back then they didn't have that great dental hygiene as we do now. He's saying before they start coming up missing and get dull. And the ones who watch through the window see dimly eyes. And the doors at the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades. He's saying, before your ears become hard of hearing. When one rises at the sound of the bird, an older age, uh, 
uh, people begin to sleep lighter and the dark and the door and all of the daughters of the song grow faint. It's talking about our vocal cords and our, our voice becomes lower and raspier and the house has to be quieter to hear what's being said. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road, walking up the stairs, hiking, right? Um, getting out of, out of the shower. That's what he's talking about when he talks about fearing walking on the road. Um, change in t- uh, terrain becomes difficult and you can easily stumble, easily hurt yourself. My, my grandmother, when we visited her in Chicago, she used to just make us breakfast every time we would come over uh, in the morning. And I went over one morning early, just spend time with her. She said, sweetie, I wanted to get up and make you your favorite breakfast, but I just, I just couldn't do that. She's like, it was long. She says, it's a long journey now from the bed to the kitchen. I walk a lot slower. I can't stand as long. Solomon is saying, listen, young people, before this happens to you, while you're in your prime, give God your best. Remember him. Before the almond tree blossoms, almond trees was the first to kind of blossom in, in Palestine, and it is, they were white. And it is often uh, referred to or looks like an older person with hair. He says, before all of your hair goes gray, before the grasshopper loses its spring, grasshoppers are known for their agility. He says, remember, remember your creator in your youth. This week, I had the joy of going on uh, just Friday and yesterday on something called the Manhood Journey. It's a father and son retreat. I got to speak there on Friday to about uh, 120 fathers and sons. And then on Saturday, for most of the day, it was just uh, time to play. They had everything. They had zip lining. They had paintball, right? They had soccer. They had something called Google Ball or something. They had all kinds of games I never heard of. And it was the longest eight hours of my life. Hallelujah. But it was fun. <laughs> But while we were there, uh, my, my son wanted to pay paintball. And we're playing with a bunch of kids aged from 6 to 16. And we got the mask on, breathing like this. Got the paint guns. And all the kids are excited. And for some reason, I became everyone's favorite target that was a kid because I spoke last night. One little kid came up and threatened me with my son. He's like, I'm taking you out. And then I'm taking you out. I'm like, oh, no, you ain't. I'm like, son, stay behind me. We got this little dude, right? But it was hard. I mean, they had this obstacle course, and I'm watching kids roll to get behind rocks and shoot. The first game, I was out in a minute. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I can't protect my family, right? (laughs) And kids are like, we got you. I'm like, oh, man. So I kept getting back in. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And I finally did. I found a little spot, and I just was a sniper. And I got the little kid that was talking trash, and I was a little too excited, right? His son looked at me when I said, yes! His father, like, man, calm down, you know? But I was reminded that I'm no longer agile like I used to be. That wore me out. I slept in this morning. I was supposed to be up a little earlier praying over this message. I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to work because I'm tired. (laughs) But Solomon is just making this observation. And I think part of what he's doing is just lamenting that he wasted so many years of his life building and even learning. And, and trying to be the man, taking all this stuff for himself. And he's like, man, I, listen, before you get older like I am, let me help you before you get there. Nothing in this world is going to satisfy you other than God. 
that hole that you have in your heart that you're trying to fill with affirmation, that you're trying to climb the social ladder, and all of that it, it can be put in perspective, and, and we should work hard as unto the Lord, and if he blesses us, use it for his kingdom. But he's like, let me tell you something. Use the best years of your life now for his glory. Now for his glory. Don't wait. Enjoy it. While we were there, they took us up. We went zip lining. And as I've gotten older, I've become more and more afraid of heights. And it used to be the case. I was the person that would go and, uh, to a theme park, get on every roller coaster, and just have a ball. But Josiah really wants to go zip lining. I'm like, I'm trying to talk him out of it. I'm like, man, we can go throw axes. He's like, I want to go. I'm like, okay. So we get up there, and you have to climb all these fly, uh, flights of stairs. And, you know, they hook you up. And just before hooking you up, they had us go to the ledge and like, just put your feet right there. And I'm like, right there before I'm hooked up? They say, yep. And so I'm like this. She's like, sir, just take one more step. I'm like, all right. And then they put the little harness on you and connect you. And then she's like, all I need you to do is bend your legs and sit like you're sitting in a chair. I'm like, okay. And she's like, go to the edge. I'm like, to the edge. And I'm looking up, making sure, double checking everything. And she's like, okay, on the count of three, I just need you to take one step forward. And Josiah's looking like, ha, <laughs> And I took a leap of faith. And I never was so excited to get back on the ground, all right? Uh, there's something about youthfulness where you can take leaps of faith and, and, and you can put yourself out there a little more. God is saying for him, now, now's that time. Don't wait till you're old. You don't know how much longer you have on this side of heaven. Even if you're young, you're not given an inexhaustible amount of time. Give your life to the one who saved you now. Give your best to the one who took you from the cords of death now. Give the, your life to the one who transferred you from the domain of darkness now. Give the best of your time, the best of your resources, the best of your gifts while using wisdom so you don't burn out to God now. Story is told of a guy who got surprised by death. Death came and said, today is the day that you go to meet your maker. And the guy begged. He said, wait a minute. I'm only 30 years old. What do you mean? This is it for me? This is it. This was my last day on earth. Please give me another chance, death. I want to live longer. And death looked at him and said, today's your lucky day. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to come back for you. And he said, good. But will you give me the promise that when you come back, that you will warn me first? Promise not to surprise me like you did today. And death looked at the young man. He says, I promise I will warn you just before I come. So the young man starts off and he's living his life in light of his death. But as day goes by and years go by, he forgets this encounter with death. And sometime later, death shows up again. And he says, today is the day that you go to meet your creator. And the young man said, you lied. You told me that you were going to give me a warning when you came back and you didn't give me a warning. He said, oh, I gave you plenty of warnings, death. I gave you plenty of warnings time you woke up and your knees was aching for no reason and you didn't do anything the day before, that was a warning. The time you looked in the mirror and you noticed that you had five new gray hairs 
and you started debating whether or not you should use dye or not, that was a warning. When you watched your friends grow older and some die suddenly, that was a warning. Every time you heard a sermon and you came on a Sunday morning and the preacher preached about the glory of God and filling up your city with gritty disciple makers, that was a warning. Every time you looked in the mirror and there was a new wrinkle, that was a warning. Every time you put a ruler up on the wall and you, and you put a little pencil scratch next to it to, to mark the height of your child, that was a warning. Solomon has given us warnings here that before our body naturally goes to that process of aging to make the most of time, don't spend your life complaining about everything and worrying about everything when you have a God who loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Take your anxieties and your cares to him and you just take that next step by faith knowing he will safely bring you home. Finally, Solomon closes. He says, rejoice. You're in your prime. Remember your creator while you have time. And then finally, revere the Almighty and truly live. In verses 9 through 11, Solomon essentially says, listen, I've done everything. I've read everything. I've written everything. Don't weary yourself with trying to become the smartest person in the room. He says, instead, here's my final advice to you young people. Listen to this, verse 12. Beyond these things, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books and much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. My time is up. But Solomon boils this whole letter down to saying, don't pursue smoke, a veil. Don't live chasing after things that will not satisfy you. At the end of the day, fear God, revere him because he's the one who created you and he's the one with whom you will have to give account And what does fearing God or revering him look like? It's a healthy respect for this all-powerful God who loves you. What does it look like on the ground? It looks like you doing what he says. It looks like you making his word your treasure. When the culture is pulling you away from it and telling you that in order to live, you have to be shaped into this mold of the latest fads or or new philosophical way of thinking, you say, no, fearing the Lord looks like, as Jesus taught in John 14, 12, keeping his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It looks like being faithful to him. Jesus also said in John chapter nine, verse four, he says this, We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. Jesus, the greatest Solomon, was was encouraging his disciples to do the Lord's work now, to not waste your life in your youth. 
but to fear God, to do what he says, and to know that you will meet your creator soon. And the good news is, as Christians, is that we know that joy is not found in pursuing things that cannot satisfy us, that joy is found in God. That as we walk in him, as we trust his spirit, the fruit of the spirit is joy. Things may give you happiness, which is temporary. And circumstances may allow you to be happy. But joy comes when we root ourselves in God and in his word and who he is and what he has done. And you can have joy in the midst of cancer. You can have joy in, in the midst of financial loss. You can have joy in the midst of grieving because even though we experience all of those emotions, our heart is settled that we are fully, deeply, and perfectly loved and that we have eternal life awaiting us. And when we fail to rejoice in the years of our prime, and when we fail to remember our creator, and when we fail to revere him, we can still have joy because we know that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We can have joy because we know that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, that he lived a life of rejoicing, that even while he was being persecuted and spat on and beat as he was going to the cross, he was able to count it joy because he knew that he on the cross would purchase your salvation. We can have joy even when we fall short because we know that Jesus never forgot the goodness of God, that even when he faced temptation, he remained faithful. We can have joy because we know that he feared God and he perfectly kept every commandment so that he would become the perfect propitiation for us so that God's wrath would be satisfied so on days when we miss the mark, and on days when we blow it, rather than hearing a voice of condemnation, we can hear the voice of, a, of approval from our Father because he is well pleased with us in Christ. Close the story of an abbot, a young monk, who took a group of his friends to see a a religious leader they were fond of, and he says to the religious leader, listen, I do my little prayers, I do my little sacrifices, I read my little scriptures, what else more is there for me to do? And the story is told by the Desert Fathers that this, this priest stands up with deep conviction in his voice. He raises his hand slowly to the sky, and he says, with his hands becoming like a flame, why not become a flame? Why not live life on fire for God? Why not take those little prayers and those little readings and those little sacrifices farther and give God the very best you can in your youth? And perhaps God is inviting you to experience the power of his Holy Spirit more today by surrendering your life completely to Jesus, 
by not just going to the edge and then looking at the view, but by jumping and saying, Lord, I want you to use me up while I am young. And I want to be a flame for you. I want to be bold for you. I want to be the student that's in my high school that is not afraid to tell people, yes, I'm a Christian. I want to be the college student who goes into the college classroom, and even though they may be afraid, who gives that fear to the Lord when people are mocking Christianity and say, you're not representing us correctly. I want to be the one who goes to the, the, valid, uh, the, the ballot box and who, who votes um, based upon my convictions and, and principles, as the scripture says, despite what others are saying. I want to be the one who doesn't have to hide my Bible or hide what I believe, but who humbly is able to say, I know it sounds strange and I may seem strange, but if you knew my story, you would be on fire for God too. Why not become a flame? Why not give God the best years of your life? Why not trust him to take that leap of faith? Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.